Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. We are actually doing a live stream that uh, hopefully it will work out. Um, and then we can post this as per usual at the end. So if anything weird happens, uh, it's because we're experimenting with the live stream. And, and at some point we might promote it a little more heavily and uh, get more people to uh, to chime in and, and chat. But anyway, Bill, happy Valentine's Day, buddy. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Have anything special planned for today? Well, I thought you and I could cuddle later. Um, <laughs> I've planned a live stream. Can I be the big, I be the big spoon, Matt? A nice dinner. Um, no, Bill, you and I, actually, I'm taking my wife out to dinner later. Uh, but but you and I uh, have a relationship that is actually... That is actually, I would say, outlasted most marriages. I think statistically. Do you have data on that, Matt? You're just assuming because people assume the state of marriage is worse off than I think it actually is. Here you go sounding like the conservative. Uh, You may be right. Uh, Is it true that 50% of marriages end in divorce or is that BS? No, that's that's, that's long debunked. Okay. Um, Well, but we've made it 12, 13 years. uh, I think that's right. Although, so okay. I'm so I'm seeing here if the if the if the Googles aren't uh, aren't uh, misleading me, uh, average length of marriage is seven to eight years. So, so maybe... there we go. I'm right. Uh, and also, I, in fairness, though we we do have a, we'll call it a, a polyamorous relationship where <laughs> occasionally I'll bring in a, a different guest, or you might you know do a podcast with someone else. So that spices things up. Uh, but yeah, we, we've had a pretty good run. Uh, and I am, you and I were, we're not even fathers when we started this, right? We've had, we have kids who are like ready to drive cars almost. So I'm trying to remember, my first child was born 2009. Okay. If we, were, if we were before that or not. My first D my first blogging heads was 2008 with, uh, uh, Anne Marie, what's her name? Anna Marie Cox, the Wonkat. So I'm not sure when you and I did ours, but um, we need an official DMZ scorer to keep track of these things. Uh, anyway, Bill, um, you know, before we, I want to obviously want to talk to you about the New York special election uh, last night. And we're, we're recording this on on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. But but first, we have lost uh, at least two that I'm aware of uh, big culture, sort of pop culture icons. Um, I'll, 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 you know, hats off to uh, the late, great Carl Weathers, um, most famous, I think, probably for Apollo Creed and the Rocky movies, which I really grew up watching. I think probably underrated as an actor. He had his own movie, uh, Action Jackson, which which didn't it really wasn't that great. It, it didn't do him justice. Um, he obviously rebounded, and stayed relevant doing uh, Happy Gilmore and uh, Arrested Development. But I think in, he's always Apollo Creed um, and the scene in Rocky Three. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Uh, is 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 iconic. Is that Rocky Three with Mr. T? Yeah, but that's Carl Weathers. See, okay, so okay, what happened I there? Seen, I haven't seen Rocky Three in a long time. Yeah, no, that that scene is where uh, uh, Apollo wants to train Rocky to have the eye of the tiger, and oh, right, Rocky's okay. like Rocky sort of has PTSD at that point, 
And Rocky says, like, we'll do it tomorrow. And that's that spurs Apollo to say there right. is no tomorrow. Great line. Um, well, he'll always, he'll always be a rest development, Carl, Carl Weathers, to me. <laughs> Got a stew going. We, uh, we also lost uh, someone who is in your genre, Bill, which I, I think is uh, satirical music, for lack of a better term. Mojo Nixon, uh, tragic uh, tale, uh, uh, but apt. He was on the Outlaw Country Cruise. So uh, for those who don't know Mojo Nixon, most of us were Elvis is Everywhere, late 80s hit. Uh, and, a little less known for Debbie Gibson is pregnant with my, with my two-headed love child. Uh, and Don Henley must die. Don Henley must die. Another great and Glenn one. Fry. Uh, Don't let him get sung, back together with Glenn Fry. Right. Which he once, <laughs> he once sung with Don Henley live on stage. Um, <laughs> he was on the annual Outlaw Country Cruise, uh, which I believe this year had Lucinda Williams and Steve Earle, Ray Wally Hubbard. That's my kind, that's my kind of music, man. Yeah. Uh, he had an old country show on, on Sirius XM, uh, actually had a few different shows at, at various points. Uh, he performed a set on the cruise, went to bed and did not wake up. Uh, not a, not still, a bad way to go no. if you have to go. Yeah. Uh, and so there, if you go on Facebook or, or X there, because people were on the boat, you know, had some videos, had some photos, you know, they couldn't upload them right away because they were out on the, on the water. When they got back, you can see a lot of that, uh, what happened on the cruise afterwards and the tributes that were held. Um, only only 66 years old, uh, but when it went out the way I would think he, he would have wanted to. He will be missed. Uh, Carl Weathers and Mojo Nixon, uh, we salute you. Hats off, a DMZ salute. Bill, big news. Well, you tell me. You tell me. What happened in New York was uh, there was a special election in New York three to replace uh, George Santos, um, the uh, the Democrat who held that seat before, who had left to run for governor, uh, ran again and won. Is this a local news story or a trend? Well, New York three, the, the New York suburban area went particularly red in 2022, when Democrats were outperforming expectations in most of the country, the New York suburban area was an exception to that. Uh, and basically the reason why Democrats didn't keep the House uh, was how they got decimated in the New York area with a lot of overheated rhetoric driven by Rupert Murdoch's New York Post uh, about crime. Uh, and uh, I don't know if they were talking about the border so much a year ago, uh, but clearly that was top of mind this election. And Tom Swazi, the Democrat, uh, previously a congressperson, ran for governor, tried to run to Kathy Hochul's right in the governor's race, didn't get, out of the, didn't get very far in the primary, comes back home uh, and leans hard into the immigration issue, does not duck it. Uh, he, he was being very critical of Joe Biden on the border throughout the campaign. But when the Senate border bill compromise is is introduced, he embraces the compromise. He credits the two parties for coming together, uh, credits Biden for uh, being prepared to sign it and hammers 
Donald Trump and the hard right Republicans and his opponent uh, for rejecting it. Uh, and by all accounts, that was the winning play. Now, he, he might other I mean, he, he also talked about abortion as well. It's not like there was nothing progressive in the mix of, it, of his rhetoric, uh, but he was pretty critical of the Democratic Party generally and of Joe Biden, but mixed with a strong plea for bipartisanship and problem solving on the border. And that uh, I, I know I, I saw Mike Lawler on CNN this morning. And I, I know a handful of these Biden district dams beforehand were saying, yeah, we don't need this compromise because we can blame Biden. You know, no one's going to believe Biden was going to fix this. Uh, and Lawler was fairly tongue tied uh, and had to resort to some cherry picking new information to get through that interview to to deflect the fact that this this compromise tanked because of him and and his leadership in the house. You know, it wasn't like he was he wasn't angry at Mike Johnson. He wasn't saying that Johnson screwed me. Uh, he was trying to blame the Senate for not passing it, uh, which of course only the Senate only didn't pass it because Johnson said it's going to be dead over here. So I, I do think this shows they the Democrats can run on this compromise, marginalize the right without bleeding on the left and keeping that coalition together. All right. So first of all, I, I do think this is significant, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think George Santos won by something like eight points. And yes. then last night, Swazi won by something like nine points. So that's a swing of, mm -hmm. I'm not good at math, I think 17 points, something like right. that. So that's a big swing. Um, I guess the thing, let me push back a little bit or challenge you. Um, I think it's totally possible that uh, that voters are punishing Republicans for that immigration bill that, that that voters have seen through the the fact that uh, that Republicans actually sabotaged a, a bill that would have done the things that they keep claiming would actually fix the border. Do you? But but how is this anecdotal? What people say at exit polls? Like how? What makes you so confident that that the immigration issue helped Swazi the Democrat? Well, only in that he talked about it a lot, and particularly in the closing days. Uh, so, I mean, you could argue, well, there are, really, there are other factors. He was a known commodity. Uh, Philippe was a newcomer. She didn't campaign as hard. He, she was outspent. Uh, so there's other things you could point to. Uh, so I, I can't you know, say with absolute certainty like it is, this is the reason. But at minimum, he did emphasize it. He did say it very loudly, repeatedly, uh, and it didn't hurt. I mean, the, the risk would be that by leading in too far to the right, even in a swing district, you would lose your your left base because they would be mad at you and they would stay home. Uh, you know, he even had this episode where anti-Israel uh, 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 anti, um, protesters were stormed his victory party chanting ceasefire, uh, which Tamaya says he won without you guys. So you're not really making the point uh, that you're needed in this coalition. And, I'm not, and, I, and maybe we should extrapolate too far if what happens in one district, yeah. but just optically, if you're, if you're trying to dump on the victor's party, that is just magnifying that your votes were not needed for him to win. Uh, okay. So, so, I, so, so let so let's assume that, that you're right. Um, is this replicable? Is this scalable 
does this, if you're a Democrat nationally, does this provide a roadmap or a template? If you're a Republican, should you look at this and say, oh, that's New York. It was a bad Republican candidate. It was a good Democrat. Uh, this used to be a Democratic district. Um, or or should, you know, should, should, is this a harbinger of things to come? Well, I'm going to say two contradictory things. Uh, one, we don't know if the border is going to be top of mind 10 months from now. You know, the numbers could subside. We could be talking about other things. So it may not be the issue. Uh, and it's and it's rare for immigration to be the issue that an election turns on. Uh, so I, I don't know if like this issue in and of itself uh, is a harbinger. I do think more broadly, there is a... This victory does help establish a narrative that Democrats are more readily interested in problem solving, fixing things, working across the aisle. Uh, and and, and the, while some Republicans have been willing to do that, the Trump faction of Republicans are not interested in actually solving problems. They're interested in grandstanding and pointing fingers uh, and using a lot of overheated rhetoric, but not actually getting down to business with actual policies. Uh, I think that narrative can be built upon whether or not immigration is the issue come November. Well, Bill, I, it, the term narrative almost has a connotation that it's um, that it's phony. I mean, I know I know literally it doesn't mean that, but this is indisputably true. I'm a conservative, but it is very clear that today's Democratic Party is much more interested in actually doing things and solving problems than the Republican Party. And that's partly because the Republican Party is not interested at all. <laughs> I'm not saying Democrats don't play politics. I'm not saying Democrats aren't bad, but Republicans have zero interest in accomplishing anything other than electing Donald Trump. Did you see Laura Trump, quick diversion, said uh, when she's in at the RNC as the deputy chairman or whatever, every single penny will be designated to doing nothing other than reelecting Donald Trump. Can, can you imagine what the reaction would be if Joe Biden picked a family member to co-run the Democratic National Committee and then announced that every penny that they get is going to go to him and not to anybody else? Well, let me add to it and announce that the day that his party loses a house <laughs> seat when they don't have a lot to spare. Right. They really right. don't. They, they don't have a lot to spare. So let me ask you this. Is it possible that that Swazi was just better positioned to talk about? Let's go back to the immigration thing, because I'll concede your point about being a problem solver. If people care about problem solvers, Democrats right now have cornered the market on that. But specifically as it pertains to the border, was it that Swazi was just a better communicator, maybe better positioned to talk about it? Or is this something that other Democrats could also replicate? Well, I do think he was well positioned. He was a known commodity. He was a familiar face. He, he, never, he never lost an election in that area. Uh, I know he left to run for, for governor. I mean, if he, if he did lose something early in his career, I, I didn't know about it. So excuse me, I don't, I don't believe he lost that area before. Um, uh, and he had a reputation as a moderate already. So it wasn't like he was donning moderate clothes all of a sudden and ran to the far left, you know, to, you know five years ago. So I do think he, he, was, he was a good deliverer of that message. Uh, but 
I do think in many ways this is Biden's Democratic Party. This is not a part. This is not AOC's party. They're, the squad is not the defining characteristic uh, of this party's ideological uh, trajectory. Uh, that border bill, when it came to a cloture vote in the Senate, uh, I, I think only three Democrats broke ranks. Uh, I, I think it was just Sanders, Warren, Markey. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, if, if it was more, it was, it's not much more than that. Uh, so it, even pretty liberal uh, people in the Democratic Senate caucus were prepared to say, you know what, there's a real problem here and we're ready to, to make some compromise for it. I mean, Chris Murphy, Murphy who put it together, uh, very progressive guy. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that hard. I mean, the, the in the Republican bubble, everyone's got their bubbles. Uh, in the Republican bubble, Biden is so discredited on this subject that there's no way anyone's going to believe he would actually have executed this plan. Uh, but Biden's got a moderate rep. And Biden yeah. has made compromises already. And Biden has signed bipartisan legislation. I mean, the risk for Biden is that, you know, and, and the cynical play is don't give him anything. Don't give him a win. You know, keep everything chaotic at the border and then we'll blame him for it. Uh, and you know, that play works sometimes. Let, let me tell you something. Were... Let me just say, you were talking about plays. Joe Biden just pulled off a PSYOP where he got the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> if they think... If they think he's not capable of some <laughs> prestidigitation, they're sorely mistaken. I just think that Republicans have been so transparent about this play. They have not hidden at all. They're like, Joe, we really have this great idea, but I just won't accept it. I really want to solve this one for you. They're openly saying, you know, we don't want to give Biden a win. And the other Republicans are mad that said, blame the Republicans for it. Jim, Jim Lankford, Mitt Romney, you know, they're on camera blaming their own party for sinking this bill. So, you know, not every American obviously watches the news this closely, but it is baked into the coverage of this issue at this point that Republicans tanked a legitimate solution. Uh, and, uh, and and therefore, I think it's just one one more piece of a, of a, of a, of a narrative structure yeah. that had already been in place that Biden has been willing to make the compromises and and we have a good economy to show for. But it's whether the economy was a disaster and if, it, and if the economy goes south, I'll, I'll rise. But if the economy is good and Biden's got notches on his belt and the one big thing that he didn't get to do was clue the Republicans' fault, I think he's in a pretty good position. Um, why, the next thing I want to go to, is, and you're leading me there, is and the segue would be how does this affect the age issue and Biden, the perception that Biden should drop out and all that. Um, but before we do, I just I, I just want to say um, I thought that the the Republican running in New York three. I mean, I know she had some problems in her background, like she had been a Democrat recently, I think. But um, just having seen her and listened to her, I think she was like an immigrant. Um, she seemed and she had this beautiful smile. Um, she seemed very likable and like a like a good candidate. I mean, just aesthetically, temperamentally. Uh, when I would see her on TV, I thought she seemed compelling and likable. Uh, I don't know how that played on the ground, but she seemed like a tough candidate, and yet she still lost pretty convincingly. I mean, I, my sense is, you know, she's she she's one elective office there, but is a relative newcomer, wasn't well known. Uh, 
didn't really advertise herself beforehand as a real hard right, you know, Trumper type. Uh, and now was compelled to run in a very hard right way to, you know, overcome the fact that she was technically a Democrat. Uh, and coming off of George Santos, coming off of a guy who was a colossal phony, uh, I think makes it hard to be the fresh face. You need some cred. And Swazi had a lo- had more cred in that district than, than, than Philippe had. And Donald Trump has attacked her now on Truth Social, saying he, that she he, didn't. He, he wasn't Trump. She wasn't Trumpy enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think she wouldn't answer the question point blank who she voted for, I think, in the last election. I, I, I believe that's the issue there, which, again, it, it does sound like you're hiding something. I, mean, I, I don't think I don't think it's correct that if she was Trumpier, she would have won. But I think it, she was really kind of fuzzy what her whole political um, story is. And that, I imagine, was not helpful to her. All right. Well, let me let's. And by the way, we are uh, live streaming this. So if you're watching us on live stream, um, feel free to chat. And once we're done here, we will answer your questions. And we might even chime in on as we're discussing. But at the very least, once we wrap up here, do not once we say our goodbyes, stay tuned uh, and uh, we will answer some questions. Thank you for watching us live. And maybe if this goes well, we'll, we'll keep doing it and we'll publicize it more. Um, but, Bill, I wanted to segue now. I think the obvious next question is about Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden, there was that, that special counsel report that, that basically said that he had memory problems. And he couldn't remember uh, when his son Bo died. He couldn't really remember when he was vice president. Very damaging politically, in my estimation, I think, because it confirms kind of what we see. He seems like he is... To be, to be kind, lost more than a step, but lost a step. Um, but now you have not only, let's think about what happened yesterday, right? So that's, that's Tuesday, February 13th. Two things happened. Republicans impeached Secretary Mayorkas and Democrats win a House seat. And I think these two things are very telling. The Republicans did something that they really wanted to do that's purely symbolic. Democrats did something that's actually putting points on the board, right? They won a House seat in a hotly, uh, very evenly divided nation and evenly divided House of Representatives. So I I found that telling. But Bill, the question is, does this now uh, help Biden? Has he he moved past with, with a little help from his with a little help from Donald Trump, right, who uh, who never misses an opportunity to change the subject? back onto himself. You know, I think Donald Trump changed the subject. Everybody was talking about Biden being, you know, allegedly senile. And Trump is like, well, hold my beer. Let me attack Nikki Haley's husband. Let me let me attack the uh, NATO alliance. Uh, um, And now we have this election. Has the conversation or is that old news? Is is old Joe old news? Well, it's not it's not it's not buried. It's still going to be an issue. It's still going to be raised, I'm sure, repeatedly between now and Election Day. Uh, but the other thing that happened yesterday is that Biden gave a pretty good speech uh, after the Senate passed uh, the foreign aid, Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan bill, uh, you know, lacerated Donald Trump uh, and Republicans for holding it up, lacerated Trump for suggesting he would let Russia invade NATO countries. Um 
there wasn't any you know mixing up of names or dates or not knowing where he was or anything uh, like that. Uh, so this is what Biden needs to do. We need to see more of Biden. You know, with Joe Biden, there are always going to be flubs. There have always been flubs. There will always will be flubs. The question is, does that mean cognitive decline? Does he like? Does he literally like not know where he is? And there's been some good New York Times news articles about this, interviewing neurological experts saying there's there's a difference between mixing up a name, mixing up a country, mixing up a title, and not remembering that you met somebody. You know that there's a there's a difference in that in terms of what it says about your cognitive state. Uh, and I think if you see Biden speak longer form more regularly like when you know biden slipped and said that el sisi was the president of mexico when he should have said egypt but he was also accurately depicting the situation uh of the the, the, the diplo- diplomatic machinations he was doing to get aid into gaza so like he understood this the circumstances he was in he just swapped a, a country name uh, so if you see the whole thing, but he also says he was talking to Helmut Kohl and right, you know. the, the, those are, those are name switches. Uh, and what I'm saying is if, if there's more of that, but at the same time, he's clearly describing, here's what's going on on the Ukraine battlefront. Here's what's going on in Israel, Gaza. Here's what's going on on the border. Here's what's going on in the economy. Like you're going to say, okay, I know he gets what's going on. He knows where he is. He's not like he can't. Well, who am I today? Who, who, whose bed is this? So that's not that's not what's happening yeah. here. But you got to well, see that more, right? And I think there's two things, right? There's is Joe Biden too old to be president, and then there is is Joe Biden too old to win the presidency? And I think you are okay with him being president. Unfortunately, Bill. Um, Something like 75% of the country, according to polls, say he's too old or, or, or you tell me, but it's not good. The polling on this is not good. Sure. I just think, it, and, and look, it, in an ideal world, like if you, you showed me polling that said, you know, people are reluctant to vote for an atheist or vote for a Muslim or vote for someone who's transgender as president. You know, I might say, that's wrong, and but maybe I'm not going to roll the dice on it. You know, when there's a lot at stake. So if I had a if I had a choice between, you know, Joe Biden as he is, or a fictional candidate who has everything else that Joe Biden has except he's 20 years younger, I'd say let's play it safe and go with the guy who's 20 years younger. But I don't live in that ideal world. Okay, uh, well, let me ask you that. I mean, seriously, if 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 you could snap your fingers. And replace Joe Biden. So there's no primary. It's not messy. But you could snap your fingers and I'll give you uh, Gretchen Whitmer or is it Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania, or Gavin Newsom, governor of California. You could pick one of those three today and they would be the nominee for the Democratic Party. And Joe Biden retires and endorses them. Do you pull the trigger on that or do you take your chances and ride it out with Joe Biden? Well, the, the 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 part about the um, the magical switch theory can't mitigate the fact that any passing over of Kamala is going to cause major rifts in the Democratic coalition. And the, the Democratic Party is a coalition. It is it is demographically diverse. It is ideologically diverse, uh, and it needs a great deal of uh, it needs a unifying force. 
to keep it together. And if you swap out the current incumbent, uh, there's no way to quickly reassemble it. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. Like maybe people would 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 suck it up, but if their if their person didn't get it, they would say, "Fine, I get what we got to do." But you can't know that. I mean, so so yes, is there a risk of going in with an 81 year old incumbent? Sure, but there's also a risk of going in with 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 uh, anyone else. Uh, okay, so, so but with that baked into the cake, so according to my hypothetical, you know, premise here. It happens. You snap your finger. Gretchen Whitmer is now the nominee, let's say. But there is the fallout that you would have. Somebody would have to deal with the fallout from Kamala. Do you take that chance? Do you try to patch things up and go with Gretchen? I, I would or not. Or you ride it out with Joe? I would ride it out with Joe. for this Because you, as you know, Matt, I am very historically minded. Uh, and the, the historical track record of incumbent presidents running for re-election with growing GDP, low unemployment, wages beating inflation, real disposable income increasing, that track record is is a perfect game. Uh, and there's not a good track record of people losing elections they would otherwise win strictly on age alone. So that to me is the safe, when, 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 when I'm balancing risks, that to me is the safer course. Now, it may be, that Joe Biden's age is particularly high and that how how his age shows is particularly pronounced. That makes him different than Reagan and different than Eisenhower uh, and different than FDR in 1944. Uh, and so I'll, and so my take will get burned at the end of the day. I, I, I can't give you absolutely. And there could be a certain. there could be a development that a, a sure. fall. Or... But of course, but there could be a development. Anyone could have a, a sudden thing occur. I mean, you know, I, I suspect that Joe Biden today is a healthier person than JFK was news president of the United States, who was pumped up full of a ridiculous amount of drugs from competing doctors. Who knows what it was doing to him? Uh, uh, so, you know, Warren Harding died of a heart attack at a much younger age in, in 1923. So things happen. Uh, but, and I, and, I, and, I, and I think the reason why Biden polls so poorly now is that anxiety that you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, and people saying, like people like John Stewart, that you know, that, you know who uh, it, only, it only could go downhill from here. I mean, I'm not quoting John Stewart directly, but um, there's that fear that you know what happens next. Even though, like, if he did die, the vice president would become president, and we'd all go on with our lives. You know, even if you don't necessarily like Kamala Harris, like it's like it's like America collapses if the vice president becomes president of the United States. That's happened before, and we've all lived through it. Uh, so, like, I, I personally aren't. I'm not afraid of that circumstance, but I think that is why people are are on edge about it. And what I think is unknown is if Biden is essentially performing at the same capacity, but with perhaps more exposure and seeing more of of his acuity uh, and the economy is still uh, good, does that age anxiety decline by once you get to election day? Uh, I'd like to have you riff for a second, Matt, because my mother okay. is pinging me on the intercom. Uh, no problem. So I, let me. I see Kenneth Johnson here. Uh, I hope you don't mind me mentioning your name on the air. <laughs> a question about the book. Uh, my book, Bill uh, Burke. What, what's the question? Filthy rich politicians. Uh, do you want to uh, hear from him? Uh, good morning. Yeah. She's a, a question wrap. 
What am I yeah. supposed to do with the signed book and sort of if I ordered the audiobook for filthy? Pawn shop wouldn't give me anything. Oh, really, uh, it's hard to get rid of the Filthy Rich Politicians book. Um, usually you have to pay someone to come haul it away. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you for getting the book. You're back, Bill. You're back. Did you hear the whole conversation? No. What, what, what okay. happened? So, um, as, as folks perhaps uh, maybe interested to know, so I, my, my mother has moved next door. Uh, and I have our Amazon, uh, our Echoes set up like an intercom so she can just like talk to me like i, I it's like it's like i'm answering a call and have to accept the call it's just she's mm -hmm. in she's in the device in my house you know automatically <laughs> so that's why i couldn't stop that that's why the live streamers are here bill because they get to see how the sausage is made uh and look under the hood and so we're, we're you know we're an open book no pun intended i was talking about my book a second ago um bill uh, let me get you out of here on this because I know you got stuff to do and we got to turn to, uh, if there are any chats, we got to answer them. Well, there's definitely one I want to ask you about, uh, I guess before we wrap up, but so I'm not going to get you out of here while we're talking about age, while we're talking about age, um, John Stewart yeah. came back to the daily show. I think the first time in like 20 years or something. Uh, and he did this like skit i don't know skit i don't know what to call 20, it 20 minute uh, monologue there you go about age and i think he hit biden and trump and i i thought it was super funny and also pretty good political analysis um what did you think of it i thought it was very funny and terrible political analysis uh <laughs> and, uh and i think it and and i've said this sometimes we've talked about like dave Chappelle went up i think it's even more true in this case like like John Stewart's not just being a comedian here. He's being he's being uh, an opinion journalist. He's being a social commentator. You know, there's things he's saying that are literally not jokes. There are there are political points he's trying to make just with jokes along the way. Uh, and and I wrote about this in the uh, Washington Monthly newsletter uh, yesterday. And so I just want to quote him uh, directly. Um, so he said. We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run for the presidency in this country, in the history of this country. We're not suggesting neither man is vibrant, productive, or even capable, but they're both stretching the limits of being able to handle the toughest job in the world. Now, like that there is a contradiction. If they're capable, they're capable. He's saying, I'm not suggesting they're not capable. Well, you are. You're saying- well, no, but I I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but isn't the context that they they might be fine running the post office, but to be the president, the, the leader of the free world, uh, our standards should be a little higher. But what, but what is the standards being violated? So you're OK at 75, but you're not OK at 81. I mean, that's that's literal ageism. Like what what limit is being stretched? Uh, I mean, the now. If, if someone is actually experiencing cognitive decline, that's another story, but that can happen at any age, not at a specific age. I mean, Haley's trying to do this, like there's, there's this sort of shelf life that you have. Everybody knows that after 75, it's all downhill from there. I mean, that's, that's actually not true. It's literally not true because uh, everyone's, everyone's tra trajectories are different. Um, and so the question is, is what we're seeing of Biden actually indicative of anything about his actual job performance? And we have interviews with neurological experts saying from just from what we've seen, that does not indicate that. 
And so Stewart goes on to say, what's crazy is thinking that we're the ones as voters who must silence concerns and criticisms. It's the candidate's job to assuage concerns, not the voter's job not to mention them. And that's true. At the end of the day, you know, the whatever criteria a voter has, I I want you to show me this. Like you're you're running for the office. You know, you got you got to earn the vote. Fair enough. But John Stewart's not just random schmo voter. He is again for all intents and purposes, a journalist with a huge media platform. He's not just a rando. He is giving information in this monologue. Uh, he is- so you, Bill, you're sounding like me from 20 years ago when John Stewart would go on and attack George W. Bush. And then the minute you push back, he would say like, oh, I'm just a clown. Uh, I, I come on after Muppets make crank phone calls. Yes. And- you know, I mean... And I and I one I think that's a cop out excuse uh, when you're make when you are making political points. Uh, although I do think that John Stewart twenty years ago I think might have been doing more just for the joke to get to the joke and not to make the point. I mean, it can be fuzzy, but I think in this particular case, like there are large chunks of this monologue which are just, they're just not jokes; they're just him making an argument. Uh, the, yeah. as what, like what I this just is read. like a PJ a PJ O'Rourke speech yeah essentially yeah um, and so like he's not just someone who's there just to, like raise concerns because of good emotional feelings you have supposedly researched this issue and have come to a conclusion you're giving me facts cherry pick facts along the way to make an argument uh, so I mean he has the right to do a sloppy job in his research but as far, but I have a right to critique the argument that he's making sure uh, and he, but. I, I actually think what he said is is legit and within the bounds of, you know, I, I agree with you that it's it's commentary with jokes sprinkled in. Uh, I just happen to agree <laughs> with his commentary, I think, more than you do. Well, let me say that he, he closed on this point because he, he, he sort of veered off from both these guys suck and this campaign is going to suck uh, to don't treat this election as the end-all be-all of the universe. Uh, Even if your guy loses and bad things happen, it doesn't mean there's more work for you and I to do to make the world a better place. And so he says specifically, quote, the work of making this world resemble the one that you would prefer to live in is a lunch pail effing job day in and day out where thousands of committed, anonymous, smart, and dedicated people bang on closed doors and pick up those that are fallen and grind away on issues until they get a positive result. And even then have to stay on to make sure that result holds. And I think that is a perfectly uh, intelligent point to make. I would just add, you are describing Joe Biden. That's literally what Joe Biden has done for his entire adult life. And he is trying to stay on to finish the job that he started. And it's not so simple for him to walk away because he can't know that walking away actually increases the odds that Donald Trump gets defeated for the reasons we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you, you say that the better odds are for him to ride it out. So I it's a debatable point. But, you know, Joe, I mean, John Stewart said earlier in the in the thing, like, you know, you know, the fact that Trump is such a threat should mean you should want Conan Bar- 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 the Barbarian at the gate. But like. There is no Conan the Barbarian. There's no obvious person that is so dramatically strong that everyone will agree upon and ensure that the coalition stays firm. 
And that's where I think the analysis falls apart. Good. I like your analysis. I disagree, but well said. Um, and I'm trying to think of what to title this. I was I was thinking this this YouTube was going to be about New York. And I think now it's about the age issue, maybe. I, I think maybe that's the, the big topic we discussed. I don't know. Uh, before we go, Bill, someone, before you logged on, asked a question that I think we might as well address here sure. for everyone's benefit. Also, also a couple questions, Joe. We'll do them after yeah. we log off. But the, the question I want to get to before we end the official DMZ uh, is about Speaker Mike Johnson. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, he just lost this see he's spinning it that this is to be expected uh this new york special election um but uh, is he imperiled is he in trouble like are his days numbered well he's got a tough call to make now on this foreign aid bill i think you have people on the american first faction who have directly threatened a motion to vacate if he brings that to the floor um but he's got this is a bill that just passed the Senate, right? right that would fund correct. Ukraine and Israel. And Taiwan. And um, Taiwan. And if you remember, Matt, I, I think I said on the show that I thought the border bill would have a, a decent chance of passing if it cleared the Senate because it was tied to Ukraine aid. And the, even though Trump would be pushing him one way, there'd be a bunch of folks the other way saying, if you tank this, you're giving Ukraine to Putin. That's on your head. And Tom Tillis has now made that exact argument about this borderless foreign aid bill. Uh, so that pressure is, is, is still there. Uh, and uh, so he's not in an easy position. And he uh, and his his seat and his majority are arguably threatened either way that he goes. Uh, so it really comes down to what does he really want? What does he, what does he actually believe in? If he's if 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 his seat is in, if his power is imperiled one way or the other, your gut's going to take you to what you think is actually the right thing to do. And I, and I don't know what Mike Johnson thinks is the right thing to do. I don't know what you, where, where his heart really lies. So we're going to find out. All right. Anything you want to plug or, uh, or mention, Bill, before we officially end the recording? Well, check or out the Washington the Monthly. Check out my uh, uh, Substack newsletter about uh, my reaction to Jon Stewart, washingtonmonthly.substack.com. I also have a little bit in, in Politico. There was, they did a pundit roundup over the weekend about how Biden could handle the age issue. And so I got a little something in there. Check that out. I think you had three pieces of advice. Yes, a three-step plan. I love it. Um, I want to promote my conversation with Tom Arnold. Bill, did you see this? Tom Arnold. I did not see this. This is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I had a 45-minute, 50-minute conversation. Well, maybe not that long. Anyway, a full podcast discussion with uh, Tom Arnold of, of Roseanne and True Lies fame. We talked wow. about. Oh, did, you, did you talk Roseanne? Yeah. We talked about Roseanne. We talked about John Goodman. We talked about Chris Farley, who would have turned 60 tomorrow. Uh, we talked about Schwarzenegger. We talked about Trump. He's known Trump for 40 years. Uh, we talked about what happened to Roseanne Barr, like why she became Trumpy. Um, I highly recommend it. The audio podcast is not up yet. I got to get on my, uh, my guy about that. But the YouTube right at this channel, uh, you can see it. So, Bill, I think you actually would enjoy listening to this one. So if you I, haven't, I think well, I would. you haven't. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap up the official DMZ. Uh, Bill, always a pleasure. We'll see you back in the DMZ, what, in two weeks, right? Two weeks, yeah. I'm away next week. All right.